Stand up, Nuggets Nation. It's now time for the Mile High Hoops Podcast with Zach By, Presented by Superbook Sports. On your home for the most Nuggets content. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops Podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast. Reacting to... Back-to-back wins for the Denver Nuggets after really, um, I don't want to say falling uh, on their face, but really a a lackluster effort in Game 1 in Utah, which, by the way, just a couple days later looks a little bit different than it did at first blush because of who you expected or expect Utah to be and who they actually are. Um, is uh, two different things. So I think even less than a week later, we're actually kind of looking uh, at the Utah Jazz uh, with a little bit more uh, respect on their name, if you will. A perfect 3-0 and uh, for Utah with wins not just over uh, the Denver Nuggets, but also over the Timberwolves and the Pelicans. Those last two both on the road, very, very impressive from the Utah Jazz to start this season. But, you know, but th- still, the fact remains that like you were disappointed with uh, the the level of assertion uh, from the Nuggets in that uh, first game, but what a response! I mean, uh, isn't it actually like the most Nuggets thing ever to start the season with a massively disappointing loss against the Utah Jazz, who you were expecting to tank, and then follow it up with a win on the road on the road in Golden State? Really, that the final score was um, not nearly indicative of. Uh, how that game looked and felt throughout. Now, you also there's some culpability in there for the Nuggets. Like, what what what's happening? How did you let you know them all the way back into that game? Because the Nuggets were just absolutely steamrolling them. That second quarter was so fun to watch. Denver outscored uh, the Warriors on Friday night, thirty to eighteen, in that second um, second quarter, and they were already up by six going into it. Uh, after the first quarter. So, and by the way, I'm not going to spend a ton of time here on the podcast because it's Monday afternoon and at the time of recording, um, the Nuggets are going to play uh, in Portland against the Trailblazers. Uh, so we're going to come back in tomorrow and and maybe have a, a little bit more of a dedicated conversation to that game. Um, and we got two games to react to uh, here over the weekend. Wasn't going to come in on a Sunday, make someone else come in, a producer. Um, but did want to check in and get some of these some of these thoughts out. Um, and by the way, when you look at, um, and it's still so early, you know, what, what does it mean? We're not sure. But Portland's 3-0 and too. You know, so we'll, we'll see how that game looks tonight and talk about Portland here uh, momentarily. Um, but I thought it was a really, really encouraging weekend, and how could it not be? I mean, a, a, a road win in San Francisco that had been a house of horrors uh, for the Nuggets. Uh, Jokic was great. I mean, great with a capital G. 26 points, 12 rebounds. 10 assists, and then, um, and, then, and then the very next night, Jokic follows it up with a uh, very, very casual, um, let's see the numbers here, 19 points, 16 rebounds, and 13 assists. So back-to-back triple-doubles uh, with that second triple-double against Oklahoma City over the weekend in the home opener, it now puts uh, Jokic sixth all-time on the triple-doubles list, tied with Wilt Chamberlain. The next triple-double he gets, which I'm sure will be in the next week, he will be the most triple-doubles in NBA history for a seven-footer. Um, does that mean anything to you? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. 
It's just another feather in Jokic's cap. 78 career triple-doubles. And we've been doing this uh, podcast long enough here. And shout out to anyone who's been, you know, through the duration of uh, this, our fifth season now. But I remember it was about four years ago, coming in here, four seasons ago, coming in here saying, holy crap. And I, I, I thought I was like a, a genius. I'm like, wait a second. If Jokic keeps on producing triple-doubles at this point, and who knows what he had at the time four years ago. Maybe it was like, you know... 40-something or maybe 30-something. I don't know. If he's got 78 now, I have no idea. But it's somewhere in the archives of this podcast where I'm like, wait, let me let me prognosticate how long it will take uh, for Jokic to catch Wilt and on that, that six, um, number six all-time. And I did the math, and I remember crunching the numbers and doing it here on the podcast and, and saying, oh, my gosh, you guys, Nikola Jokic, if if things uh, keep up here at this pace, Nikola Jokic is going to pass Wilt Chamberlain for triple doubles by the time uh, or before he's thirty. Okay, that just shows you that in the last four seasons, Jokic's production. Because at the time I was forecasting him to do it by the time he was thirty, guys, he's not twenty eight yet. He's not twenty eight years old yet. So he has ratcheted up his production and just the, the raw stats alone to such a degree that at the time in the numbers that I was using with the frequency that he was hitting a triple-double, it was going to be like 29 years old and change. And I thought that was a, an incredible deal at the time. And like I said, if you were to see me at the time, like, like a light bulb was going off over my head like, oh, my God, look what I just – what, what I think I discovered. And I'm sure somebody else that covers the team had it too. Um, but uh, here we are having that conversation before his 28th birthday. Really, really incredible. Just incredible for Jokic. And I've been going back and forth with people, and, and, and I'm not saying he's going to win the MVP, okay? I'm not saying that. But if you are just being dismissive the way that some others are, that there's no way, no, that no one wants him to win it for a third time, well, guess what? No one really wanted to give it to him for a second time, Okay. After the consternation that took place ahead of the first MVP, like you think, like you know what I'm saying. So to think that it's just unthinkable, I think, is naive and foolhardy because we're talking about one of the great players that we've ever seen. And I don't want to put any sort of limitation or restriction on what he can or can't do. Right? I'm not going to be that guy. So, um, yeah, just uh, an incredible uh, couple games for Nikola Jokic. Great weekend for Jokic uh, as he received that that second MVP award at Ball Arena on Saturday night against the Thunder. And then you, you, can't, you can't talk about this weekend, and this is some of the thoughts I wanted to get out uh, and you know, not react to it you know, after the Portland game because I, I know the shelf life won't be uh, great uh, for this, but at the same time wanted to get some of these thoughts out. You, you just got to feel great, man, for Jamal Murray. You, you got to feel great. Like, you, you know when uh, the end of the Grinch movie when like, his heart grows? Like, I, I don't know how you could be in, in the arena – on Saturday evening, or watching it on TV, and you're just a fan of basketball, you don't need to be a Nuggets fan, okay? Just be a fan of basketball and not um, have your heart grow a little bit, you know, to that moment. It's one of the loudest you'll ever hear, uh, Ball Arena. Um, And it's just such a noble reason why it it did reach that decibel. And I'm just so happy um, for Jamal to have that. Um, and, 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 And also to put it behind him, too, right? Like, this is onward and upward, all right? Um, 
So he wasn't in the lineup on Friday evening. And that's part of the that's gonna be part of the story this season, you know, the 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 load management and, and the NBA schedules really schedulers gave a middle finger to the Nuggets. They really did. I mean the the, the fact that you have the back to back MVP not debuting on national TV to, to start a season is just stupid, okay? It's dumb. Um not having the first game of the season in Denver for the back-to-back MVP, and you know a, a, a Jamal Murray, um, who hasn't played in as long as he didn't play, like returning to have them open up in Utah. I know I mentioned this, but it just it just irritated me. But also, to have the home opener, in addition to those two things, to have the home opener the second night of a back-to-back, like what the F are we doing? It's just so stupid. So stupid. So Jamal doesn't play on ESPN on Friday night, against the freaking Warriors because you want them available for the home opener the next night and you don't want to play them in back-to-backs. So at least at least this early in the season. Maybe that'll be the case throughout the season. Who knows? We'll see how it plays out. But that just freaking irritated me, man. Anyway, um, I, I, I brought his um, uh, sitting out on uh, Friday night up because I thought Bruce Brown, man. So since this dude was uh, acquired, and, and, and I'm not saying I'm the most bullish on Bruce Brown's arrival, okay? But I was very, very vocal this offseason. And, and, and I remember what I was saying at the time specifically, that the Bruce Brown pickup is the most under-the-radar addition for any team that is contending for a championship. It feels like when uh, I'm getting the same vibes when Aaron Gordon got to Denver. And I said that, that, that this is the perfect situation for Aaron Gordon. And for all the reasons that we, we, we now know and all the stuff. Bruce Brown, the versatility... Okay, and the defensive emphasis that he brings to the table. And when he's playing as well offensively, okay, as he was on Friday night, to end up with 20 points on 8 of 10 shooting, that is amazing. Really slow start against, um, uh, it was, uh, well, I shouldn't say really slow, but a slow start against Utah, and he didn't play well offensively against Oklahoma City. But when he was in that starting role and playing 31 minutes, I mean, to end up with 20 points and three or four from three, like, dude, he was a very instrumental um, component of that win uh, against the reigning world champion Golden State Warriors. Very instrumental. So, I mean, five assists, right? Five assists. You take it, man. You take it. Uh, Also, what else do I want to get to here? Oh, uh, the other addition, KCP. It's, It's in a very similar vein, very similar tone. Uh, with Contavious Caldwell-Pope and the fit he is for this basketball team. Some of the same reasons, right? Uh, as Bruce Brown, it's just the, the IQ fit, okay? You can play next to these guys that have high acumen, specifically Jokic, okay? But the three-point ability from uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope mixed with the defensive upgrade into the starting lineup for a wing defender you just can't overstate it. I mean, it's a match made in heaven. And when he's out there making shots, guys, when he's making shots like he was on Saturday evening when he made six three-pointers and ended up with 20 points, he was a plus – or 21, actually. He was a plus 16 when he was on the floor. A couple assists, um, five rebounds. I just – KCP playing with Jokic, the early returns are very, very good. I mean, what a weekend from three. From KCP, three of six against the Warriors on Friday night on national TV, followed by uh, six of ten. So you're talking about nine made threes across two games at a hyper-efficient level. 
you just love to see it, especially from a player who's new into the fold, that you're expecting a maturation process. And it's not going to be perfect, but really good early returns from both Bruce Brown and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. We loved those additions here on the Mile High Hoops podcast this past offseason. Um, and now you're seeing uh, the vision sort start start to come um, into focus, and it's really, really exciting. Really exciting. Um, okay, who else did I want to get to here? Oh, I thought Jeff Green had a great weekend. Jeff Green, who in the first game of the season, we talked about it, uh, in that initial uh, reacting to game one against Utah, pretty disappointing. He was just kind of like out there, uh, pretty, you know, empty calories outside of that dunk that he had uh, in, in the fourth quarter, I think it was, against Utah. God, who did he put on a poster? Um, uh, I forget. Whatever. Um, oh, Kelly Olenek. That's who it was. Got to hear my notes. Um, outside of that dunk, he was pretty much a zero against uh, the Jazz. I thought this weekend he was really good. On Friday night against the Warriors, he played 19 minutes. He was three of five from the floor, a perfect two for two from three. He went to the free throw line once, made both of his free throws, uh, had a couple rebounds, had an assist, didn't turn it over, and voila, he's a plus 14 in 19 minutes and ended up with 10 points. And then he parlays that on Saturday night against Oklahoma City in 20 minutes. He was a perfect 5 for 5 from the floor. Once again, a perfect 2 for 2 from 3. He ends up with 14 points. Now, the, the, the plus minus wasn't good, but it wasn't, it wasn't good for anyone uh, on, the bunch, uh, on the bench. Just ask Bones Highland. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but really, really good weekend uh, for Jeff Green. And once again, just a, a, a big part of uh, a couple wins uh, with that bench unit that's kind of still hit and miss right now. Um, and Bones, I brought up Bones. Bones was 4 of 10 from the field. Um, he did have five assists against the Warriors, three turnovers. And then uh, the next night on Saturday, he was pretty dreadful, guys. Pretty dreadful. 0 for 5 from the floor, um, you know, wasn't much doing. He had three assists, but just did, just didn't play well. Finished with just a single point. Um, and I remember, um, I remember it was last week uh, being at Brothers Barbecue doing this Nuggets War Room and um, going back back and forth with uh, Jake Shapiro from DenverFan.com and Matt Moore from the Action Network, uh, who both guys I, I have a lot of respect for. Um, and I thought, you know, the 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 intersection of our disagreement was that um, they were just too bullish on the uh, on the leap for Bones. I, I, I was trying to be measured and realistic and optimistic, right? So when I say Bones going from rookie to sophomore season goes from 10 to 14 points, guys, it's a big jump. It's a really big jump, okay? Four points more a game is a big jump, all right? Um, right now, he's averaging eight points a game, all right? Now, it's, it's three games in the season. You can't look at uh, stats too closely right now, but... Really, the essence of the disagreement was that, like, I, I just still think there's going to be some real up and downs. He is a young basketball player. He's going to have nights where he scores 22 points, okay? He's 22 years old. He's a young basketball player. He's actually lucky Michael Malone is handling him the way that he is because he's letting him play through some stuff. Um, in the past, I think that he would get, be getting benched um, sooner, especially, like, on Saturday night. Um, but we'll, we'll see. He's got to work, uh, work his way out of this little funk. And I'm calling, you know, little fun. It's three games in the season, right? So we'll see. But I just think that if we're if we're approaching the Bones Highland forecast, um, I, I just thought I just thought those other guys, uh, Jake Shapiro and Matt Moore, saying that his floor is like 16 points, anywhere from 16 to 19. Uh, uh, I don't, I, no, no, I, I can't I can't go there. And I'm not 
I'm not trying to be, um, you know, hey, it's cloudy here, um, meaning like being negative or something. I'm, I'm just, just, just being real, giving you my thoughts here. Um, and then finally, uh, last couple things I wanted to mention here is uh, Christian Brown. Christian Brown, who, you know, over the weekend, uh, first let's go in order here, against the Warriors, he played 23 minutes. Let's just start there. Let's just start there. He scored four points, two of five shooting, great. Played 23 minutes, guys, for, for Michael Malone in, 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 the, in the second game of the season. That is a big deal. That is a really big deal. And then the next night on Saturday, Brown plays uh, 16 minutes. Guys, for a rookie basketball player, and then he, and he had nine points, made three threes. And that is so wildly encouraging because uh, if you've been following the Christian Brown uh, start of this chapter book the way that I have, you go back to Summer League and there wasn't a worse shooter out there. And, and I'm not talking about just for the Nuggets. There was not a worse three-point shooter in Vegas this past summer than Christian Brown. And I remember talking about it, and it's like, okay. Um, I, basically, my take at the time was, I don't really care about the missed shots. It's summer league. There's an adjustment period to just the NBA game, the NBA three-point line. It's in the most literal sense, your first action. Um, I said, we'll see how much it shows up. I said, we'd like to see him hit a freaking shot. But he had games where he was like, oh, for eight, right? So, but my takeaway was at the time, and you can go back and listen, like middle of the summer, whatever it was. I said, I don't care about the missed shots. I care more about how he looks out there. As a rookie player, how do you look physically? How do you look when you rebound? How do you look in transition? Just the NBA eye test. Because, guys, there are certain players, when you lay eyes on them for the first couple times, and you're going, wait a second. This doesn't add up. This isn't, and I'll give you an example. Um, and, and, and I brought his name up a few times um, over the years and not, not picking up on him by any means. Because um, he's actually from my neck of the woods in upstate New York, Tyler Lydon, who played at Syracuse, who um, the the Nuggets drafted in the first round, I think in two thousand and it's like seventeen or eighteen, I think seventeen actually. Um, you put eyes on him for the first time in an NBA setting, and you go, "This isn't going to work." I put eyes on Christian Brown for the first time, despite all the shooting woes this summer. I'm saying, "Wait, yeah, no, he, I like what I see." I like what I see when he's on defense. I like what I see when he's put in a, in a situation where he has to think on defense. I like how he looks in transition. I like his decision-making. This is a higher-floor guy. That was, my, that was my take at the time. Now seeing it uh, translating. And by the way, with the shooting stuff, that actually continued into the preseason. It wasn't just su- summerly. He couldn't make a shot in the preseason. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't need them. I remember it was pretty bad. So at that point, when I saw him not making shots in preseason, I'm like, uh, okay. Keep our eye on it, right? Saturday night against Oklahoma City, he goes three for four from three. And it just is starting to more and more look like Christian Brown is going to be an everyday player. An everyday player. He's smart. He uh, understands why he's out there and doesn't try to um, doesn't try to do too much. Plays within himself, right? Um, you saw him digging in to, I think it was uh, Jordan Poole on Friday night, uh, stripping the basketball, uh, finishing in transition, all the stuff that I was like having my eye on in summer league, I'm seeing it translate to NBA games. Now, 
we got to remember about Christian Brown, same thing we remember about Bones Highland, young basketball player, right? There's going to be struggles. There will probably be nights where um, he's struggling and is not going to get a second look at it from Michael Malone. Um, there may be nights he's a DMP coach's decision, the way that, you know, Zeke Naji uh, is handled every single night. <laughs> make that one make sense, by the way. I mean, I, like, Zeke Naji, who – now, by the way, now he did play nine minutes against Oklahoma City, but – we talked about this in the first episode. You hear about, oh, Zeke Naji, Zeke Naji in training camp. And I'm hoping that's the case. I'm, I'm bullish on Zeke Naji. And I remember this offseason going back and forth with Will Peterson here. And he's like, dude, you're, I think you're missing the boat. I don't think Zeke Naji's going to play. I think you're being sold a bill of goods. And I'm just like, I'm not even worried about what I'm being sold. I'm looking at the physical. I'm looking at the, 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 the skill set, uh, the, the, the natural shot. But then he like tweaked that a little bit this offseason. And I don't know what's going on. So he's played nine minutes in three games. And allegedly, he's like the the the, the training camp all star. I don't know, or preseason all star. I, I don't know. We'll see how that um, that uh, continues to go. I would like to see more Zeke Naji. The he what who he profiles is like the current NBA. Um, I don't want to see Zeke Naji traded, um, but we'll see. Um, you know, is that what they were trying to do in the preseason by you know talking him up to build his trade value? Eh, I don't know. Um, I, I, and I mean that sincerely, like I, I legitimately don't know, but we are going to continue to follow that story because it's year three of a first round pick. Like, you know, okay. Um, all right. We'll leave it there for now. Uh, at the time of recording, it's Monday, October 24th. The Nuggets are going to play in like five, five hours from now, six hours from now. So we'll come back in and we'll do another podcast. Um, that is the plan, uh, for Tuesday guys. Thank you for being here. Really appreciate you. Please subscribe to the podcast. Tell a friend about the podcast. Uh, that's the best way you can support uh, the Mile High Hoops podcast. There's really, like, that, that, that's the way, right? Outside of listening, it's rating it, it's subscribing to it, it's telling a friend, and I f- will freaking love you forever. All right, we'll leave it there for now. Nuggets, 2-1. You'll love to see it. Whatever happens in Portland, we're going to re- be reacting to it right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast.